And welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Uh, Clara once again has the week off. They hate me now. They uh, are... No, I'm kidding. Uh, Clara will be back next week for... uh, We're going to do a little Oscar breakdown. And then we are going to do a uh, Nomadland pod. A possibly the best picture winner podcast but uh yet to be determined so that'll be really fun um so yeah clara clara will be back then but this week i had uh two old guests i had them on together ryan and nev if you guys listen to the jurassic park episode uh they were a lot of fun on that so i had them back for minari which was uh super fun we drank um turkey dews which um, was not a thing I was aware of, uh, until I was talking to my friend Baker, who you may remember from the On the Waterfront podcast, who is a bartender and, uh, my occasional drink, cons- drink consultant, just because, um, she's more of a legit bartender than I was. <laughs> and, um, so apparently there's a thing, uh, in the Midwest, uh, slash South called the Turkey Dew, which is, uh, wild Turkey bourbon and Mountain Dew. So I, I owe her for that one. Uh, it's quite good. I have a recipe up on my Instagram. If you want to check that out at Cineflex pod, or it's also up on Twitter at Cineflex there. So I hope you get the chance to check that out. Um, thank you to my patrons, Stephen, Sydney, Zach, Griffin, and Isaac. If you want to become a part of, uh, my Patreon and, uh, join the film club, go to, uh, patreon.com slash Cineflex. Uh, another way you can really help the pod is write us a review on iTunes. Uh, that's always, they're always nice to read and, um, just helps us get more seen, look like we have a good amount of listeners and, uh, just, helps the algorithms kind of reach more people and everything. So that would be super helpful. Um, other than that, I hope you guys are all doing well. This, the weather's getting better. People are getting vaccinated. It's, uh, seems like the world's on, on the up and up for once. Uh, so I hope you guys are all feeling good. Uh, I do love to hear from you guys. If you guys want to reach out on my social media, if I don't talk to you already, um, Anyway, uh, without further ado, I'm going to throw you into this week's podcast. I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back, you two. Welcome welcome back to the pod. Oh, thanks for having Hi. us back. It's thanks so it's so me. fun. It's so fun to chat with you guys again. You're like a little duo. It's I really can just nice like call so cool. upon <laughs> anytime. <laughs> um so we're chatting Minari today. You guys have both seen this movie before, right? Yeah. 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 I saw it um, when it first came out in like wide release in theaters in February, I think. Okay. 
And and you can't shit on your former self this time, Ryan, because no, it, I only, can't. <laughs> it, only re- it only released a couple months ago. You're like, exactly. yeah, two months ago, I just, I saw it and I just didn't like it because I had no taste back then. But now I don't even I know who that person is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the nice thing about this movie for me, at least was like, I did not have much content. I, I ended up seeing it uh, in September when I was like at one of those screenings that you could find online but it like like it, it, it I, I really hope the film festivals go virtual more in the future because it was really nice to just be able to like be like oh i'm i'm going to the long island film festival <laughs> like it's yeah. gonna be great um but yeah no i caught it i caught it back in september and it was really cool because i, I mean it definitely had hype from winning sundance but it didn't have quite the hype that it does now so it was just it was it was a it was a really cool time to to catch it um did i mean by the time both of you had seen it it kind of like had quite the clout built around it oscar buzz and whatnot like did it live up to your expectations was it how did it how did it differ from them and and everything i don't it basically it it was pretty much exactly what i thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be like this very intimate and like tender story about a, a immigrant family coming to the coming to america which Technically, it wasn't. They were already in America, but to just move to a different part. But right. um, it was pretty much all, honestly, it, it met my expectations plus some uh, when I first watched it. Um, the second viewing wasn't quite as um, magical, I guess, as the first one, because the first time you watch it, it's like so different. Um, second time, it's like, you know, it's still really good, obviously, but it, it, it was it was even better than I thought it would be. So the hype was definitely it lived up to the hype for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, no, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Nev, how did you feel about it? So by the time Minari reached these shores, there was already so much traction with a lot of the festival circuits, a lot of the um, awards discourse. Um, So yeah, I mean, it definitely fulfilled my expectations and then some. Um, I can confidently say that this and Sound of Metal are my favourites of awards season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being a film that was striking on so many levels, a film that resonated so much. Um, and everything that I had read proved to be very much true. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think Sound of Metal is is my my favorite of this awards season. Mm-hmm. Maybe Soul, those are probably Soul, yeah. honestly. But I mean, not I mean, not in the best picture race, obviously, but uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's interesting. I think. I think the fir- I watched these I watched this in Nomadland pretty close together. Have you guys both seen Nomadland as well? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. I watched this in Nomadland pretty close together the first time I saw them. And I feel like the first time they felt very different. And then this time I watched this. I feel like this and Nomadland are blending together in this weird way where they're both kind of like meandering tales about the American dream. I mean, different, different stories, yeah. obviously, but they both have that like subdued tone. And um, yeah, no, they were, they were oddly like, I oddly feel like they're, they're more similar than I, than I gave them credit for earlier. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I last I watched Nomadland a long time ago. Like it was um, when it first came out in a, some film festival, I think November maybe. Yeah. Um, so it's been a while since I've seen it, but it, they are very similar structurally and um, like thematically. I think they have a lot in common for sure. 
Um, I think Nomadland I prefer a little bit more, but actually my favorite of the award season is The Father, which no, it's just going to become the forgotten movie of the awards. <laughs> I just but saw it's The Father. So good. It's so ridiculously good, though. We we can we can briefly talk about the father. Have you seen the father, Nev? No, but but go ahead. It's fine. I will. I, I will I just. Really I will it. just briefly because I I did just watch the father. <laughs> I I gave it like a four four out of five, but I I could see myself upping it. It's a really like bizarre experience because you're just like in the head of this person that has Alzheimer's, and you think and yeah. you really think it's going to be like Oscar Beatty. Like let's just let's just like give these performers a chance to win their Oscars. And in reality, it's like, it has no business being as good as it is. It's, um, it's just like really, really well done and just like bizarre. And by the end of it, I'm like, I'm like, do I have Alzheimer's? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's wrong yes, with me? I, I don't know if you've seen them, Nev, but it's basically like the story of the movie Amore with the, um, with like the story structure of Memento. Okay. It's it's pretty it's it's very it's good it's really good. That's a that's an interesting way of putting it for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Quite an odd movie. Um. Speaking of things that have no business mm. being this good, I think I've, I think I used that same <laughs> phrase to describe this drink we're having. <laughs> <laughs> I um I reached out to um, Co Baker um at Cuckoo Chanel on Letterboxd if you've seen her there, but. Basically, um, she like I, I I was like, hey, I'm actually like at Safeway right now. I'm trying to figure out like a drink to do with Mountain Dew, and she was like, oh, like you have to do the Turkey Dew, like the Turkey Dew. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, no, this is like a thing. Like, like every year there's like Turkey Dew Day, which is like sometime in February, where like all the bars just have like special Turkey Dew menus where they have like all sorts of turkey do recipes and shit. And she's like, you have, you have to do this. So I I'm like, okay, so it's wild Turkey uh, bourbon and Mountain Dew. And, um, and then one of the recipes called for some lemon and Angostura as well, which is the one I, I borrowed, but I mean, like really good. Like I was kind of just going to be like, Oh, this is going to be kind of like trashy, but I'm like, I'm really enjoying these. <laughs> it's really nice it really takes the edge off um i mean i quite like bourbon anyway but um it goes rather well with the uh, the mountain too oddly which (laughs) you would think yeah and i'm not i'm not a soda guy i actually don't drink soda but um (laughs) with the i so i barely drink mountain dew but it is really good Mm. though it tastes it tastes great i don't know if i've ever had mountain dew before really I, yeah, like I just don't. Interesting. I don't drink soda much. You know, I I don't know if I've had Mountain Dew on its own either. Let me do this. I, I will. I will. Oh, oh, here we go. Sip of. Yeah, yeah. Not good on its own. I mean, it's really sweet. It's like super sweet. Yeah. Um, it's just like drinking yeah. syrup flavored, artificially flavored syrup with a little fizz in it. It's um, yeah. Do you have to be a certain age to buy Mountain Dew? Because I found out today that to buy the Mountain Dew variant that they sell here, you have to be minimum age of 16. What? Really? Why is that? Is it the caffeine? Well, even the variant that we sell here, I think the recipe is slightly different to what you guys have because there's something in there that legally we can't 
sell here. I'm sure it was something like that. When Mountain Dew first. That came is here. weird. Did they card you for being over 16, Nev? No, no. <laughs> <Unfortunately> not. <laughs> Beyond that now. But yeah, it works quite well. Obviously, like yeah, obviously, like mountain spring water. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's quite refreshing. Um, like like a lot of the food looked really good in the movie, yes. despite despite not. Uh, I mean, it didn't seem like they were glamorizing the food at all. It wasn't about the food, but yeah. it was like, dang, I just like I, I, I want the weird. I want the weird sacks of Korean food that she brings back in her luggage. Yes. <laughs> Korean food has always been, I had, I had like one of my best friends in elementary school and early middle school. Um, it was, he was Korean and we would go to his house and his mom would always force me to eat so much food, but I loved it because <laughs> it was so, I love Korean cuisine so much. Uh, yeah, though no, they made me miss it. I haven't had it in forever now. Yeah, I don't know if I've I don't I mean there aren't that many Korean restaurants at least where I am, but uh, it's worth saying here. Worth worth checking out in the future. Um, but all that stuff with the um, with the suitcase and bringing stuff over that really really rings true. So any relatives of ours that are flying from India over here, literally their suitcases are filled with uh, cashew nuts, with chili awesome. powder, with cinnamon sticks. And every time so cool. I go over people are trying to shove stuff in my suitcase i'm like please go get it away from me when i <laughs> my case is full when i came back from france i i was going to just bring like four pieces of cheese because like their cheese is so it's so much better it's just it's yeah. so good it's uh <laughs> it has to do with the pasteurization but that's a separate thing or the lack of pasteurization but yeah. um but so i was going to get like a vacuum pack of of the cheese and then i was like that's not enough so i went back and like i got like another vacuum pack of the cheese it's like that's not enough so anyways but i ended up getting 13 pieces 13 like pieces of cheese um back which you're not allowed to bring back i did not declare them but they were just like wrapped in random <laughs> like sweatshirts in my bag but well, that's what, what you funny, have to do what was funny what was so sad about it is i brought so much cheese we didn't even finish it like oh no <laughs> before it like went bad we were like eating so much yeah. cheese uh, <laughs> it was so great though i wouldn't trade it for anything you gotta smuggle food back from whatever country you're going to it's just it's an essential part of travel you're like all nervous talking to tsa agents at the border you're like they're like do you have any i'm like no i, I don't know why would you think i'd have yeah <laughs> i guess what about this film like has brought it this much national attention because it's it's a mm. small it's a small movie there's been other interesting small movies this year but like what's kind of brought it to the forefront like this so i would say the film is is an immigrant's experience about the sacrifices that we make and our desire to help one another but also understand one another um, the story itself is it's sort of imbued with various kinds of hardship and courage along with this sort of intrinsic humanity that we all share so while it's an immigrant story and not everybody might be able to directly relate to that um, Lee Isaac Chung the director he creates these characters that are so that are rendered so honestly and truthfully um, as people 
um, and he humanizes them. And these are people that we can all relate to. So there is this commonality at the end of the day that we all share with these characters in the movie. There's moments in there that we can all relate to and, and share some kind of connection with. I mean, we may not be able to speak the same language or we eat the same food or we practice the same faith, but those familial relationships and the work ethic, the legacy that somebody wants to leave behind, and even the level of care, you know, those kind of moments speak volumes. That was yeah. beautiful. That was, yeah, <laughs> good thing you went first. Wow. Uh, <laughs> or a bad um, thing for you. <laughs> um, I was just, I, basically, um, what I thought was the reason that this resonated with so many people is because, like, so many people can, can like, relate to whether it's, you know, David, the son, and, you know, his you know, the familiar problems when you're a kid and how you see them when you're a kid or with uh, Jacob, the father, you know, trying to keep his family together while also trying to find his sense of self-worth, you know. Um, and really, I think this whole movie is is the most important part is kind of trying to, it's like the importance of family while also trying to find your place. Um, and I think that really resonates with, with pretty much everybody. Um, and I think it's a really important thing to, to be able to make a movie about and make message about. And I think it resonated so much because Lee Isaac Chung, the director, like made it autobiographical, at least somewhat. So it, this, very is like a very, this is a very real account um, mm -hmm. of an immigrant family. And that makes it feel so much more genuine, you know? And I wish, I really wish more directors would do something like this because it really does give such like a real and genuine feel to the movie, which instantly makes any movie better i mean no matter what the movie's about mm. so um yeah i think it's really easy to resonate with a lot of people so for sure that one of the reasons it was pushed so far yeah i mean i mean finding your place is an interesting way to put it for sure and i think i mean not to bring it back to nomadland but i think that's that that yeah this and nomadland are almost on opposite yeah. sides of the spectrum and that would this is very much about like no we're gonna like make this place our home and Francis McDormand and no man lives like I don't want to be tied down anywhere I just want to yeah, wander true. and live and it's like they're, they're two opposite sides of the spectrum but they're both like people that are that are sort of outcasts that are trying to make their way in in an America that we don't see a lot on film I suppose yeah it's just done with a lot of heart I mean it really it really is like I, I think that's sort of I guess that's sort of cliche to say now, but like mm. it, it just, it, it, it really, there's so many little details that, I mean, I, I, I was listening to this interview with him and he was talking about like, you know, I mean, basically what, he, what he did is he just kind of like mapped out a lot of events from his childhood, like, like not being able to get into the trailer because there weren't steps there. Mm. Like just these little, these, <laughs> these little like weird yeah. things, you know, and then sort of map them out. And then, you know, I guess he had a, his barn burned at one point. I love movies that have those, like those details that feel so hyper specific to someone, even if you don't know what, what situation that is, it's cool. It's cool how much of it was just from his own experience, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, there were there were a lot of very specific moments that you can tell were taken straight from his life and a lot of people can relate to. I know um, in the Midwest, like in places like Arkansas, they have a lot of tornadoes and there was a scene where they were like, oh boy, we have to leave because there's a tornado. And then the news comes on, it's like tornado watch, not a warning. He was like, ah, see, we were worrying for nothing. It's just a watch, not a warning. That's like a, that's like a very common thing for people in the Midwest constantly like, oh, we have to go to the tornado shelter. Oh no, it's only a watch. We're fine. It's not a warning. Mm-hmm. You know, small stuff like that. It really, it, it, it helps the filmmaking. It makes it, like I said before, it makes it feel so real. It really gives you like, it's a very encompassing kind of thing, having all those little things sprinkled around. I can't think yeah, of any sure. more off the top of my head, but there were mm-hmm. a ton of them. Have you ever been to Arkansas? No. no. Nev, have you been to Arkansas? No, I've been to Louisiana. That's what, south of Arkansas? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually that's, pretty that's close. Direct, yeah. Directly <laughs> south of Arkansas. Have you been to New Orleans yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. How was it? My favorite place. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I've yet yeah. to go. I have a friend that lives there, yeah. so I have to I have to visit with her sometime. Oh, it's so good. I I was visiting I was visiting my friend at Ole Miss, which is like northern Mississippi. Oh, yeah. And then I flew into Memphis. So we were around Memphis and she was like, Oh, yeah, just over that bridge is like Arkansas. <laughs> so we just drove over the bridge and then did a UE mm. and <laughs> turned right back. So we <laughs> have we went, technically went to Arkansas for like two yes. minutes, yeah. <laughs> but that's about the entirety of my experience. What did you Arkansas. see? It, you know, what's really odd about Memphis is it like, it looks like it should be a city and then you like go into it. It's mm. like, there's nothing happening. Like it's, it's, uh-huh. it's got tall buildings, but there's just mm. not people. And it's, and it's like the only city in the area. And then what's really weird about it is usually when you have like a city on one side of the river you'll have some sort of suburbia on the other side of the river because it's like yeah you need to commute into the city or whatever you cross the bridge into arkansas and there's just like green on either side of you like there's not buildings or anything and i'm like what like what what even is arkansas like (laughs) that's the whole no but it's it's um memphis is it's it's an odd it's an odd city yeah Oh. The the way you're describing it sounds a lot like I, I went to Cincinnati once <laughs> because um fun fact, me and my mother are trying to go to every single baseball stadium. Oh. Um so oh, we went to that. Cincinnati and it's <laughs> Yeah, oh, thank you. Uh, I went to Cincinnati and it very similar to what you said, like there's tall buildings and everything in it, but it was like completely dead. It's like no, and this was 2019, like before the pandemic and everything. And it was like, there was no people, all the restaurants and stores closed at like 8 PM, 8 30. Yeah. It was like, and so after that, it was like dark and chaos. I was like, wow, it's like kind of a ghost town here. Like it's very interesting. Yeah, no, it's really odd. I mean, I mean, from Ole Miss, like, like, like the people that I knew that went there, they would all go to Nashville for the weekend. They would never go to Memphis for the weekend, even though Memphis is like an hour and a half instead of four hours. So it's just, there's, I mean, we went to a nice restaurant. We tried to go to, to the Elvis house. Cause I was like, when am I going to be back in yeah. Memphis? <laughs> um, but then like, it was going to be like, we, we paid for parking and then, it, and then they said it was going to be like 50 each. I'm like, is there like a cheaper uh, option than like 50 each? Cause we're students and we're freaking poor. And they're like, no, sorry. It's like, okay. Uh, so then we just like walked up to the fence and looked at it, but yeah, <laughs> but Ole Miss was really cool. I really, I really like Mississippi. I'd like to see the South more. Do it. Go yeah. to, go to New Orleans. Yeah. 
I would love to. Ryan, if you when when you make it out to Giants Stadium, please let me know. I will I will give yeah. you I will give you a proper tour. We're we're trying to get to California soon, so I will yes. I will definitely let you know. Even if I'm in Boston, I'll fly back for it. The, the Giants Stadium's amazing though, right on the bay. Oh, it's beautiful. The it's beautiful. It looks so cool. It's mm. um it's it's one of the only it's one of the only new stadiums that I like just because it's it's built it's built like an old style stadium with the bricks and everything. Mm. And it just like I mean, I just get nosebleeds. They're like seven bucks. They like Caltrain that that the, the, the train goes right from like my house and Caltrain like allows you to drink on the train just openly, which is awesome. So you just like get hammered on the train. You don't have to pay for like the $10 beers there and have wait, a great time. Wait, what's a nosebleed? As oh, in, not, have, not a literal you, nosebleed. No, have you, have, have, have you heard that term before? Is that an American term? Really? So, so nosebleeds, nosebleeds are the really, really high uh, seats in a stadium. Okay. So the reason they call them nosebleeds is because it's like, oh, you go up so much in altitude, like you start to get a nosebleed. But it's, it's a, it's sort of a, it's a colloquial term. Like no one's noses are bleeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there, yeah. is there a word? For, is that like a phrase for that in the UK? Mm. Just the, the, the high seats. Well, I would say we are just sat up in the gods. In the gods. The gods. Yeah. That's really, oh, I like that better that's than what, nose. I mean, that's so much more elegant. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that translates for me. Um, but you know, what? I saw I saw a Jets game back in 2016, and I was sat in the nosebleeds, and uh, I'm, the only thing that I experienced was that my ears were blocked because we were so high up. Oh, really? That's um, odd. But, so it did yeah. so it did actually have an effect on you? The altitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're so off topic. Um, <laughs> This is a great conversation. What it is. Mean? It honestly is. It honestly is. I love it. Um, so Arkansas. Um, yeah. Okay. I've I've just a random the cool trick award. Have you guys? Yeah. I've been doing this since I think I had you guys on, or did we do cool trick award with Jurassic Park? I don't think we did. I don't think we, we did. It was maybe we started it after. So so do you know what the cool trick award is? no actually, it's, what, it's whatever it's whatever like you see so this is like this comes from just something that Paige randomly says to me when we're watching a movie and someone like skydives or like or like tom cruise like jumps onto a moving helicopter or like a train or something and she just looks over to me and goes like cool trick I'm like mm -hmm. uh. so it's whatever just like really impressed you is just like a small stunt i i was really struggling with it this movie but i have an odd one to nominate which is the finding water with a stick though. Like if that's not a real thing, can we even nominate it? So there's that whole aspect of it. I don't know True. how you guys feel about that or if you have anything else to nominate. I mean, the implication was that the stick worked. So I technically, uh, I think it's a cool trick. I think it's, I think it's a yeah. pretty cool trick. Yeah. Are there any other cool tricks in the film? So I'm going to, lower the tone slightly yes um if if this particular scene played out differently then this definitely would be a cool trick the grandmother drinking that bowl of piss okay so it was a cool <laughs> trick that he tricked his grandma there, there is that but also if she was able to neck it and not be phased that would be a trick <laughs> 
That is true. That is true. To get Knowing outside the box. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it didn't play out that way, did it? No. I'm going to say, uh, I mean, oh, maybe like. I would, Actually, I just thought of one. The when Paul is uh carrying the cross all the way down the road, that, that takes a good amount of effort. That's, that does that's take a good amount of effort. Scale. It takes a good amount of effort. Yeah, yeah. Not really, yeah. Kind of a trick. Not really. Kind but... of a kind of a cool effort. I'd yes, say. Yeah, yeah. Cool effort. Um, <laughs> I think I I guess it has to be uh, it has to be the finding finding water with a stick. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I did some reading into this, and like, there's a whole debate. On like whether or not farmer because farmers do still do this, like really? they hire and and it has to do with like it's like divination stuff. It's like goes back to like witches and shit and and they hire these people that that go around with a stick or they have these devices or something and and they're like why are farmers still doing this? There's some farmers that are adamantly defend it. There's some farmers like why why do we assign any value to these people yeah but it's very much an active industry it's very interesting right yeah i wouldn't i I wouldn't think that was something that would have carried into the to the 21st century but yeah i mean if it if it it works go for it where should we take this next the grandma yeah you can talk about the grandma is there is there anything you guys want to bring up um okay i have something about the um the symbolism of minari like the actual plant itself and the story okay i did i did want to talk about this so yeah like yeah go go you don't for have to it. this now are you now no okay. let's do it so um lee isaac chung actually has a quote that explains it probably better than i could so this is his quote uh the interesting thing about minari is that it's a plant that will grow very strongly in its second season after it's died and come back and so there's this element of that in the film. It grows very expansively without doing much to it. And so it is poetic. It's a poetic plant in a way for me. And so uh, the fact that Minari kind of grows better in its second season after it's already died is very similar to the way that um, Jacob and Monica's relationship kind of works throughout because they keep having all of these you know, fights and they keep kind of just, you know, they, they grow apart a little bit and they try to, re, you know, and they grow apart. But the fact that they grow apart and then reconnect makes them stronger when they reconnect. And so I think it, it, and not even just them, the whole family, the family as a whole, all five of them, really. Um, Same can be said with uh, David and the grandma as well. Um, You know, they kind of don't really hit it off at first. David's not a fan of the grandma. And then eventually they come together and their relationship becomes absolutely beautiful and super strong. And so I thought that was actually, because I never, I hadn't thought about it the first time that I watched this movie but going back, I think it's a really, really cool um, little piece of filmmaking they did there. Yeah, it's a really cool idea of this, like, of, of like, being able to, like, rise from defeat like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that, I, I, I hope that implies that, that they, that their second harvest was better, because we don't really get into mm-hmm. that in the movie. It's true. I, I, I tend to read things through an optimist lens, but I don't know how you guys feel about any like how you think they pulled out of it if you think they they had to give up eventually or if you think they were able to succeed and like any other thoughts on the the herb nev (laughs) you know by the time the film comes to its conclusion i think there's definitely in those last final moments some kind of indication that 
um, they've obviously had to start over and they started over together um, and that their relationship has been repaired through all this, all their troubles and this struggle. Um, I had read something about the fate of the grandmother um, because it was slightly ambiguous in terms of, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, how things ended for her. Um, but apparently, um, Yunyo Jung, the grandmother, um, she, okay. she, yeah, she said in an interview that, um, yeah, Director Chung's intention was to, was for her to, to still be with them um, upon their sort of business well, being able to blossom again. Um, it's nice that it has that kind of hopeful, optimistic conclusion because a lot I find with a lot of award season movies, they are very, very tragic. Um, apart from the odd exception that you know there is some kind of hope and optimism, but yeah, this one had a nice sort of um, conclusion to it. Well, I think I think I think hope can I think. I think Oscar voters tend to be jaded and I think critics in general tend to be jaded. And I think hope (laughs) can be construed as sort of cheap and naive. Mm. And like, and like if something's like a serious movie, it needs to like have a serious tone throughout and everything. And that works. It's a good, it works for a lot of movies, but I, I definitely don't think there's anything sort of, tragic about you know like cautious optimism i mean at least in this case i mean it's definitely not implied that they it's definitely not implied that they like become millionaires like selling Mm, their korean food it's just like it's just like hey like we we managed to you know grow crops and get by and everything i guess is what's implied Mm. and minari is the kind of film that isn't it, it isn't designed to it's not some kind of cheap ploy uh, to elicit tears a lot of the emotions that are in that movie um, come from a very real place and you know we were talking about authenticity and the specifics of all of that um, that's why it really connects with people because it's it's so true and honest yeah this is this is in a rare list of movies that have made me like tear up in the first 10 minutes Mm. um which is really hard (laughs) it's really hard to do when you don't even care about the characters yet so so that's when they're driving to the um the mobile home yeah (laughs) but it was only in the first one i didn't do it i didn't do it this time but (laughs) on the first watch i was just like there was something so just like them staring out out at this like foreign landscape and they're sort of like and i was instantly like in that place with them and didn't you know you don't know what the place is going to look like they don't know what the place is going to look like and what it's going to be and I don't know it's it was very um yeah I, I don't know why that moment got me in some Which ways I've got, oh um I mean the the one moment that made me cry this time is when the grandma's walking down the road and Alan comes running after her I just that, is, that kills yeah. me Absolutely. it's such a powerful moment and I think, and I think, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, gra- the can you remind me how to pronounce the, the grandma, the, the actress who plays the grandma's name? Oh, Yunyo Jung. Yunyo Jung. Okay. So Yunyo Jung, like, like she's able to like 
convey so much through being like a stroke victim where she's yeah i mean i mean you get the sense early on that she really wants to like not be a burden like help out she's gonna like give the money and then you know like the despite her not being able to express anything on her face you know like what she's going through just the 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 guilt of like i don't i can't even be here anymore like she just needs to leave basically and um yeah it's just it's just heart-wrenching and then you know how much it's like you know like the boy's getting stronger and like decides to run after her because it's that important even though he shouldn't run and you're just like (laughs) but um yeah no that that moment just absolutely destroys me there's like a second of there's like a second of recognition when the kid looks at the grandma like and grabs her hand there's like this single second of like all right yeah we got to go back home and it's like it's like it hits you so quickly but it's it's just like a oh no it's so beautiful oh my god yeah that's that's one of my favorite moments of the movie Mm. for sure it's really really powerful because she's kind of she's leaving this family to basically set them free you know she feels like she is a burden yeah everything just seems to be going wrong with her being in their presence so she makes that decision um and then it's just that sort of embrace at the end that that sort of uh feeling that the kids actually accept her and embrace her and don't want her to leave and that that need and want really kind of hits and then cuts to a close-up on her and it breaks me just seeing that absolutely Mm. um i mean her 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 i i think i i think when i when i first started seeing that she was getting all this like awards recognition i was kind of like i was kind of like well but like amanda seyfried and then (sighs) and then and then i was i mean i think this time i was really brought around to how great her performance Mm. is yeah i think just the uh, She's just so adorable. She's really just like adorable. And I like, actually like that. I feel like performances like this that are, I mean, I'd say slightly more subdued. I mean, she does get like a lot of, a lot to do in this, but I'd say slightly more subdued. Don't usually get traction at the Oscars. So it's, I I think it's actually really cool that she's currently the favorite basically. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the performances in this movie were very much more subtle than a lot of the other uh, mm-hmm. a lot of their counterparts in those you know categories. Um, but Yunya Jung's performance was just it was it was subtle, mm-hmm. but it had so many nuances in like in her facial expressions, in her body mm-hmm. movements, and stuff like that. That just it, it's like it. Once I'm going to use the word again, it feels so genuine. All of it just feels so genuine. None of it is like, it's like not Hollywoodified. It's not, it's not dramatized. It's just, it's straight up. This is what it is. And I, I appreciate the hell out of it for that. It's, and it is one, I think, I mean, I hope she wins the Oscar, honestly, because I think she had the best performance, but um, it's, it's a subtle one. It's a subtle one, but it's still so good. Yeah. I just watch. That's right. No, no, you're good. Go. When you guys watch this movie, does it evoke memories of you with your own grandmothers? Um, yes and no. I think it's a very, see, for me, I knew my grandparents from before I remembered them. So it's a very mm. different experience. Like so much of relationship with David is like getting to know David for the first time. And that's just not, that's not an experience that I 
have some of the like here's this card game and i'm gonna kind of get on the floor with you and like play this card game like that that feels yeah. very like grandma to me and whatever mm. and there, there, there's elements like that but i'd say for the most part like i mean it, it was pretty different from my experience with my grandparents i mm. i'd say yeah me too what about you nev mm. there's moments with i mean in terms of the character she doesn't have the those kind of conceptions of what you imagine a grandmother to be and then david points out that she doesn't bake cookies she swears she wears men's underwear um i mean she's a in terms of her behavior she's quite crass um but there are those other shades to her character that really really connect um like the card playing um like the scene where david's talking about um praying and at night i mean those really sensitive moments are, are really really beautiful um sadly my two grandmothers are no longer with us now but um i have very fond memories of my grandmother on my mother's side and you know whenever i going to visit her in India, you know, she'd prop me up next to her on the sofa and we'd watch some glossy soap, American soap opera on Indian TV, you know, these kind of these small moments, personal moments that really stick with you. And um, yeah, I, I think that's why watching a film like Minari just has that um, really, really powerful impact. You actually reminded me of a couple of memories I have with uh, my grandma on my father's side. She was very, uh, she also, she swore a lot. She stuck her middle fingers up all the time. <laughs> like she was, she was one of the, so every, I actually, now that I think about it, yeah, there was definitely some similarities there with that kind of stuff. Cause she wasn't one of the, you know, bake cookies kind of grandma. She was one of those let's play cards and I'm going to call you with, you know, a blah, 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 if, if you beat me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, actually, now, yeah, you're kind of bringing it back to me a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think sure. that's what's great about this film is that <clears throat> I suppose as, I've, as I've gotten older and people have come and gone in the family, um, watching films like this really, really brings back those memories um, and just adds to that emotional impact that the film has. Yeah, I think, I think one just... of one of one of my favorite scenes that I think is easily uh, resonates to a lot of people was um, David in the bed talking to his grandma about, oh, am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? And his grandma's like, who is telling you this stuff? Like, what is going on? Your parents shouldn't be talking to you about this stuff. And I feel like that's a very grandparent thing to do as well, because I know I've had my grandparents be like, what did your what did your dad tell you? Like, why did he tell you that? Walking over to him. Why are you telling your kid that? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like grandparents are always I feel like your grandparents are always going to stick up for you. You know what I mean? Like there's this, there's this special connection that a grandkid has with their grandparent that they don't have with their real parent because your mm. grandparents, I mean, it's different for everybody, but for me anyway, my grandparents didn't raise me. So I see my grandparents, you know, well, I saw my grandparents like maybe once a year, twice a year, not very often. They live pretty far away, but every time I saw them, they were like, so engulfed in me and my life and everything and trying to like figure out everything and trying to be like, and I, I, it was very similar to um, uh, Yunya Jung's character and, and uh, David being so like mm. involved with each other at the end there because they were really, you know, they, they never met before, 
you know, so they were trying to, you know, catch up and make up for lost time at the end. It was just, I think that's really sweet. What, what did you think of the way she handled drinking her grandson's piss? Do you think, do you, <laughs> would you have been that kind about it? She was far more graceful than my grandmother would have been. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. But even further to your point, Ryan, even that scene where um, Jacob tells David to go and get a stick to, you know, to get yeah. his punishment, um, the grandmother makes a point that he shouldn't resort to su such extreme measures to punish his child. Yeah. You know, um, she's there, you know, then consulting on their own parenting, really. Right. She's um, very protective of him. Yeah. And I think part of that at that point was like, was like, um, she kind of felt like, so, like th there was this odd thing with David where he felt like he had gotten her revenge, his revenge on his grandma and then kind of got it out of his system. I felt like it was, I felt like it was more that than, than, the, than this idea that like, that like his parents then told him to respect his grandma and he did. He just felt like he pulled a little trick on her and then now they're even. That's I don't know yeah. why, yeah. why that played out that way. But I felt, I, it, and, and then I think she was sort of like, she sort of felt that too. I don't know how they articulated that specifically, but there was this idea that like now it's out of their systems and they can be on good terms. So that's probably partially why she doesn't want it to be punished yeah. more. I think she, she says um, explicitly, she was like, you know, you don't have to do that. She turns to him. She just goes, just don't do it again. That's it. You know, just don't do it again. And that's mm -hmm. fine. And then, you know, he still makes him get the stick, but I think she knew that it was like a, he's not going to actually going to do it again. This is just him to get back at me. And that's pretty much it. We're at mm. even ground now. And yeah, it's a really good point. So I, I thought, I think she was being a protective of him and, um, and B she knew that he, he wasn't going to actually do that again, because that was kind of the beginning of their relationship taking off. You know what I mean? Right. At that point, that was the end of like the little feud and the beginning of like, their really beautiful, uh, I guess, reconnection even though they never really had a connection but i'll say reconnection uh after yeah. that so yeah yeah for sure um in terms of other sort of family moments mm. what did you think about um about the the wife making a big deal over the over the fruit over bringing the fruit into the hospital <laughs> did you think that was an overreaction did you think that was justified somewhere in between what, what did you think about that mm. you know that's really interesting I think it, again it comes back to Jacob <clears throat> and I, I feel like you need to kind of cover him first in terms of he's the one that kind of sets the wheels in motion for it to come to that point he drags his family across the country to Arkansas almost against their will with the promise of a better life. Um, and then he's kind of pursuing this dream to build this farm, to produce these vegetables to then sell. And the mother kind of just goes along with it. She's doing all the, the legwork in the household. You see the level of care that she has with her two kids, um, David especially. Um, and so then this whole moment that it's been building up to with the, the struggles of 
putting all their resources and money and finance and all of that into making this farm work and then they get to the hospital um and then jacob's priorities are still on the farm even you know they're there for their son and that's what it should be but his priorities are very much elsewhere um you know i, I suppose the way the way that lee isaac chung writes the script i do sympathize with i empathize with um with Jacob massively, but then also I empathize with Monica. I think it's it's done really, really well. Yeah, I think I think um Jacob, like I said this a little bit earlier, but he's just trying to kind of he there's a quote he says, he says something along the lines of um like the kids need to see me succeed at something mm. because they've only yeah, ever known me. me. Yeah, they's all they've only ever known me as a chicken sexer. I've never really done anything on my own. I don't have my own accomplishments. So coming out here, starting a farm and having it be successful is huge. Um, and then she hits back with, um, isn't it more important that we stay together? Because she, mm. he literally implies they go and move away and go back to California where they're happy while he stays in farms. And they're like, no, like that's not, we're a family. You know what I mean? We have to stick together. That's more important. And so there's like this, they're a little at odds with that kind of thing. But um, I, I think it's, it's really a very interesting, it's a very human moment because everybody wants to be successful at, at something, you know, yeah. whatever that thing may be, but also, you know, it's heart wrenching to have to break your family apart to achieve that. So it's, it's definitely, it's a very good, you know, at odds kind of thing um, that never really fully even gets resolved because it's an ongoing problem with this family that they're really trying to make it and they're struggling, but you know, the hope and optimism is there at least. So it, it's very interesting the way they did that. Is is it implied that they do stay together? As a family, yes, definitely. Yeah. I think so. It, it's implied that the parents stay together and everything. Because she, I mean, she basically tells them that scene she's she's done. But then that scene right at the very end where they are walking along the land, they're walking together. It's not just Jacob, it's Jacob and Monica. Yeah. So for me, I, I interpret that as them sort of coming together to work on this project together um, because it was quite clear that she wasn't really enjoying chicken sexing and she wasn't she didn't deem herself to be particularly good at it um, so maybe this was a, a better outlet for her to to thrive so I mean that's my takeaway anyway yeah, yeah for sure I feel like in in the in the case of the fruit box I think he did the right thing, but it was indicative of a bad pattern. But I think that the right mm. thing to do is to carry the fruit box into the hospital because you do need for the fruit to not go rotten so that the guy can see that you have good food so that you can then make money from it. So I think by bringing it into the hospital, he did the right thing, but it was indicative of like, your wife doesn't want you to do that. And like, mm. this is like, you need to get your priorities straight right now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely was like a symbol for the bigger problem for yes. sure. The bigger overarching problem. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's, it's very patriarchal, but I think at the end of the day, you can, I can see both sides of you completely. Um, and, and as a writer, I think that's what director Chung does really well also. 
I didn't love Jacob just in general. Really? I didn't, I, I mean, I thought his, I thought, I thought the performance was great. I just, mm. I didn't, I didn't really find much redeeming in his character. It's like, I mean, I, I feel for him at times, but yeah, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't really love him as much as the, as the rest of the family. I feel like he was very much a father of the early 1980s, which I think yeah. this takes place in 81, I think. Something um, like that. So it, it, I guess it makes sense that he has like this very strong-willed kind of um, attitude, but I agree. He's not the most likable for sure. Um, I think the most likable belongs to david and and the grandma but uh he's still a very complex character as well because you feel for him but you're not really sure if he's making all the right decisions along the way you know you kind of want to criticize a little bit but you're not really sure you know he kind of did the right thing here but also with the um it was at the expense of this thing over here so you know uh back and forth with him for sure but i I like his character but i do think he didn't have too too many like likable qualities yeah for sure um Clara had an interesting question for you, Nev. Um, Clara oh. is not here, obviously, but I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher their phrasing on it. But it's something along the lines of like, yeah. I mean, for you, like you come from an immigrant family, but to a different yeah. country. So, yeah. like, how, how does this, like, did, did this movie like connect to your experience? Like, what part of it, like, I guess, felt foreign to you and Mm. like and like uh yeah like i mean because it's very much about the american dream i don't know if Mm. i don't know how much of that translates to the british dream or (laughs) the the english dream i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah so so um just to kind of give you some context so i'm a first generation Indian immigrant and my dad came to uh, the UK in the 1970s initially to study and then to work Um, and then I guess during that period he'd have to really fight to be seen and heard as an ethnic minority Mm -hmm. Um, and then in the mid 80s he was then able to bring my mother over um, and then I was kind of born shortly after that um I think it's something that I certainly take for granted that privilege because people who do emigrate from their native country to either settle here in the UK or seek refuge um they're not as lucky um in the last few years where there has been so much division in the country and I don't want to get too political but um it's been it's I mean it has been it's been intense and um you know a film like this it coming along <clears throat> excuse me um it kind of harks back to my previous point in terms of this family in Minari is is painted as people who go through that sort of hardship courage they have so much humanity um that hopefully it might open people's eyes, especially those who were more hostile towards foreigners that had come into the country. Um, but certainly when I was little, um, being a brown kid, um, I was sort of stood out from a crowd. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you have to kind of adapt and try and make yourself heard. But 
I definitely will. This one makes me appreciate the sacrifices that, you know, my parents made um, to come over here and take that risk to try and make things work um, yeah. and provide me with a better life that I'm very lucky to have right now. It's beautiful. Yeah. Not everybody has, yeah. you know, an education or, yeah. you know, the, the comfort of being in a nice house and being able to drive their own car. Um, yeah. So I, re I really, really feel for that, for those people that aren't as fortunate. And um, as I said, the last, last few years where there has been a lot of intense feelings towards people from other nations that have come here, um, you know, we really, um, yeah, you know, it really moves me. Yeah, for sure. My, so, so I guess, I guess the other like part of that question is like my understanding of sort of like the UK is that there's less kind of like hope for upward mobility mm. than the US. This kind of like American dream of like, we're going to go out and like strike gold and, you know, find the next, and that, and that carries over from the gold rush to, to Silicon Valley, where you're going to start the next amazing company and, you know, and get funding and become rich. Like, I mean, it's, it's this mentality that carries over. Do you, do you find that that was, that was sort of a mentality in your experience or did, did you, I mean, is 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 there more of like an how 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 does the American dream I guess compare to to that experience? So what I would say is in the um, in the last few years leading up to Brexit, a lot of people would say how um, you know a lot of these foreigners are taking our jobs, but oh, yeah. a lot of people would have come in from Europe, and they're the ones that are doing a lot of these jobs that people over here just don't want to do um, and they're very much making a foundation to provide for their families back in their home countries um, and that is uh, that work ethic you know whatever you're doing a job's a job um, yeah. and I have a lot of admiration and respect for for people that do that you know whether you are cleaning the streets or whether you're working in a fast food restaurant you know at the end of the day you're making a living um, and again this comes back to the film itself and and what people do to try and help one another there's another film actually um, very similar to Minari that I saw last year which you guys might have seen called a uh, tiger tail it's on I've heard um, of it I haven't seen it yet I have yeah, not seen it either very similar themes in terms of families uh, emigrating from one country and then immigrating in another in order to start a better life and then be able to funnel money back home to be able to support their family there and you know you've got to admire their their kind of willpower to do right by their family and and also improve their life not just for themselves but for their um their children absolutely great point definitely this wasn't even scripted. This was just what was off the top of my head. Just, just, just straight off the top of that beautiful <laughs> noggin of yours. Beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> um, Imagine like talking about personal memories and then tearing up, but I've actually been okay. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I'd be, I'd be bawling. I always do. <laughs> All right. I have, well, I have, a, have something. Yeah. I, I have a question that 
um, I want to see if you guys agree with. So, so when mm-hmm. I first watched this movie in a theater, I watched it with my friend. Mm-hmm. And we both had the same thought about a certain character. Uh, the character was Paul, right? You guys know who Paul was. So yeah, we still haven't talked about Paul. I, I you know, this is all the top of my mind. I was like, I'm gonna bring up Paul, and then I was like, I, and then I just kept forgetting. Continue. The, the thing about Paul that me and my friend both said is, we thought when we first were introduced to him, we thought he was gonna be like trouble, like massive mm-hmm. trouble, because he seemed so off. And I couldn't tell if it was off in a way where he was like gonna go crazy on someone, or if it was just maybe he was just very religious, one of those, you know super religious i'm glad that he didn't cause any trouble and he ended up being actually a very sweet guy but when you're first introduced to him he's introduced in such like a an odd way you know he's like he's like oh you know you need any help on the farm i'll be there i'll be there in a second it's like oh he's very eager to help you know what's that about Mm -hmm. and then when he's you know helping plant the seeds he and he's or he's offered the cigarette he goes oh oh get that away from me no no oh lord jesus oh lord jesus it's like it's like oh okay like he's very eccentric like there's nothing wrong with that but yeah i don't know he just had this vibe to him that was very like ooh, i don't know i I couldn't read him i could not read him at all but um obviously yeah he ended up being a great guy but but i could not read him at the beginning there at all yeah he's quite odd i don't think i ever thought like something bad would happen with him i just thought like I, I mean, weird vibes throughout and, 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 and it's an interesting sort of, uh, like character progression with him where, I mean, they get closer, but Jacob never really likes him. <laughs> like it feels like, it feels like <laughs> the true. whole time Jacob's just using him for like the work he's willing to provide. He's yeah. just like, okay, okay. Bless the food. I don't care. Like, let's just get going with this. It's like, fine. Like, like they, they don't, if, I mean, oddly, it doesn't really feel like they care about him as much as he cares about the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> which true. like, uh, like poor guy. But um, yeah, he's 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 quite odd, and it's a great, it's a great performance that almost feels like so specific. Mm. It had to have been like a non-actor, but this guy's like been in a been in been around Hollywood. Bill Patton, I think, has been around yeah. Hollywood since like the '80s or so. It was crazy to me to think like that was a you know old school hollywood actor like doing that part because it was like there's no way he hasn't like lived this his whole life to look like that my thought <laughs> is that he had to have based the character off of somebody that he knew oh yeah someone. like he had yeah. to have, was such oh, like yeah. a specific performance david's only friend too was was a kid from church hmm. so i got yeah like I, that, I, I didn't i didn't never got a good read on that kid i mean i know yeah, i know they i know they come around <laughs> and i know they become like buds and he stops being like weird and like why is your face flat but but i mean then they then they do they do kind of become become buds but i never got a good good read on that kid aside from like i i mean okay he's chewing tobacco and whatever it's like yeah okay he's being a kid and trying adult things i don't really care i just the the kid was always a little off to me actually that reminds me the the one line that gave me literal secondhand embarrassment because i can't tell you how many times i experienced this in middle school in high school no elementary school elementary school um was when that girl walked up to her and was like can you stop me when i say something in your language i was like stop oh my god oh my god i was like are they actually gonna do i was like don't please I've, I saw that so many times in elementary school and every time people I was would like, do that? stop it. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. People would, oh cause they God. thought it was just some funny thing to do. Cause I, like I told you, my best friend was Korean in elementary yeah. school. Yeah. People would just walk up to it and be like, can you stop me? I'm like, dude, what? The... No, no. I didn't so know that, that something that kids me, like, did. Wow. 
That actually gave me secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite line from the movie? Um, you, you know what line I was thinking about a lot this time is like, is like when when David's walking along with his sister and and he goes like, I don't like grandma, and then the grandma turns out like, Oh, you like grandma? I like grandma? He's <laughs> like excited. It's so like yeah. innocent and cute. I love it. it <laughs> She's like, Oh, like grandma. <laughs> That yeah. the dynamic between those two is so good. That's so great. <laughs> what what about you, Nev? I really like the um it's not called a penis, it's called a ding dong. David's line. Yes, like that. Which then has even more of a payoff. Um right. when the grandma says ding dong is broken. Ding dong is yeah, ding dong <laughs> ding is broken, dong. broken ding dong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my god, I love that so much. I would have loved to have seen that in a packed cinema and just hear everybody laughing. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. <laughs> uh any any final any final thoughts on the movie? Um it's uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I think I enjoyed it even more the second time I watched it. Yeah. For sure. Um, I just want to throw out a random fun fact because I like doing that. Why yeah, not? yeah. Um, I stopped. I stopped reading the IMDb trivia when you're on the pod, <laughs> so I can be, actually be surprised by the things you say. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> it was like the no, third time you were on. I just, I just stopped doing it because you always like read through and pull out these awesome things. And I'm like, I'm just gonna let him do it. I know he's, go- I know he's going to. <laughs> um, so the red hat that Stephen Yoon wear, Stephen Yoon wore was actually a gift from his mother when he was 17. So I feel like everybody kind of brought a little piece of home with them. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it adds a little bit of authenticity. I like that. That's super cute. Yeah. <laughs> and see, then I get to be in the position of learning the new thing. This is so like, it's such a joyous experience for me. I get to sound, I don't have to like pretend like I'm genuinely surprised. It's just great all around. <laughs> um. And then this is actually really cool as well. So uh, Lee Isaac Chung, when he was trying to come up with the idea for the script, he heard a name buzzing in his head and that name was uh, willa cather i, I want to say i hope i'm pronouncing that right um but she was a novelist who wrote about city life despite growing up in the great plains and so when she realized she should be writing about her own experiences her famous quote was life began for me when i ceased to admire and began to remember which made chung write this and then he basically quoted her when he was asked about it he said life began for me when i uh stopped admiring and began remembering so that's beautiful that was really sweet yeah i love that yeah the only fact i have is that um director chung and stephen yun are actually cousins through stephen yun's wife oh like they're in they're 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 cousins-in-law yes was it first no first are they mostly direct cousins well if Through through his wife, so then Stephen Yun's wife is Lee Isaac Chan's cousin, in law. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. cool, but That's they're like they're they're yeah. family. I didn't know. Yeah. That. What a like what a I want to be at those family get-togethers. They probably eat just <laughs> eat great food, and they're like, oh, like 
how was The Walking Dead? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm nominated for an Oscar. They're like, I am too. We were in a movie. I don't know. It just seems like a great dynamic. Oh yeah. <laughs> great uh, dinner table to return to. Um, this was super fun, you guys. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, um, have y'all prepared a quote? Do you want time to come up with a quote? Where I... <laughs> Well, my quotes are actually from this movie. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It can be any quote, but it has to be in character. Okay. Ethan, do you have one? I don't. Do you want me to come up with one? Yeah, definitely. I think. Oh, shit. Okay. Usually. Now I'm experiencing the pressure that I usually put on other people. (laughs) Give it a go. Am I supposed to go first? Um, I don't. I have no. Ryan's. Oh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, (laughs) This isn't going to be super in character because she said it in Korean. Uh, but this is a quote from Monica. Uh, At the hospital, you choose the farm over the family. We can live together when things are good, but when they... F- well, wait, wait. Oh, I messed that up so bad. We can live together when things are good, but when they're not, we fall apart. I was like, oh. That's yeah, intense. That's, that's super intense. Like that. oh. um, let me think of like what actors... I- that's a really good quote. I-, I-, I was thinking about that quote for a while after the movie. Um... <laughs> What actors can I can I try to imitate? Oh, you know what I'll you know what I'll pull up. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a quote. Okay. Uh, but but do you have one in the meantime, Nev? Okay. Um, Let's hear it. So mine is mine is gonna be a pretty basic one. Um, it's Bane, Tom Hardy's Bane. Okay, I love it. Right. Um, and. I mean, this is for the purposes of the listeners right now. You can just imagine this is my Bane mask. So I've interlocked my hands just now. For those who can't see me. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. I don't even know if this is actually going to sound like Bane, but I'll try it anyway. Do it. Um, but doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. So I don't know if that actually sounds like Bane, but <laughs> it doesn't. A, I got the Bane. <laughs> yes. I got the Bane just in there. cancel me. It's okay. No, we could never cancel you. You're too sweet. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, I've got I've I've, I've got mine pulled up. I don't, I don't even know if you guys have seen this movie. Okay, let me let me think about this. Okay, and I said I don't care if they lay me off either because I told I told Bill that if if they move my death one more time, then then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And and I told Don too because they've moved my death four times already this year. And and I used to be near the window and I could see the squirrels and they were married, but then, <laughs> but, but then they switched from from the swing line to the Boston stapler. And I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much. And and I kept the staples from the swing line stapler. And it's and and, and it's not okay because they took they take my stapler and and I'll set the building on fire. I love Office Space, dude. That that was good too. That was really good. Wait. Is that the guy with the with the glasses? <laughs> Wait, I, I Nev Nev made me want to try a Bane impression. Can I try? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Okay, ready, ready, ready. It's gonna be infinitely better than mine. I was born in the dark. No, the boys. Right, right. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. That's that was so very good. nice. Uh, yeah, there's a, there, 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 there's another Milton quote I was trying to find. It's the one. It's 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 the one where it's like, and I, and I was told I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume, and I, I, 
<laughs> oh my god! Where he's like, you know, like Rod Livingston fears over there. He's like, he's like, hey, can you turn that down? He's like, well, well, I talked to I talked to Bill about it, and he told me I could listen at a reasonable volume, and I and I and I've kept the volume down all day. And he's like, he's like, oh, for, forget it. He's like, don't, I'm not even. <laughs> That movie kills me. I love that movie. I love so that movie. Oh, it's so good to have you guys back. It was so fun. Thank yes, you so definitely. much for having me back on. Yes, see thank you. In Arkansas. <laughs> see you in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs>